All right. So that frees up a few seats. If you want to move forward, we'll, we'll make room for you. All right, we've been talking, folks, about victory, and, I, and I've been at this many weeks. Last week I was not here. It was mine and Paula's 40th wedding anniversary. My, my name. So we were out last week, um, but I don't have any, any other planned Sundays out right now. No travels for the rest of the year or anything like that. So anticipating being here. But realizing and the reason that we're in this series is to help all of us be victorious in how that we live our life. And recognizing that a key element of that is how that you handle and manage your very own thought life. That means that you have to be an active participant in your thought life. The Apostle Paul said that we could take captive every thought. All day, every day, Myself included, you, every person, every breathing human here today, you're getting thoughts. You're getting thoughts that are, are in your mind. You're, you're reading something, that's generating a thought. You're seeing something, generating a thought. Someone is speaking to you. Even right now, you're hearing me, but you're also thinking. Some of you are thinking about lunch already. Don't, stop. Don't do that. But you're processing thoughts. And you have to look at where do those thoughts come from? And, and you can do that. I'm going to give you a practical tool before we stop today. And that's what we're doing every week is giving you the activity part, the, the participation part, so that you can indeed take captive every thought. Because here's what's going to happen. Either you will agree with me and take captive every thought, or your thoughts will take captive of you. There's great truth in that. I'll repeat it. That you will either take captive your thoughts before they become an action item or your thoughts will take you captive. If you, if you, don't, if you miss everything else, at least get that today. Because I'm not making that up. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm focusing upon verse 5, but he's talking about the war that we do in this world, that we battle not against flesh and blood. Our weapons are not of this world, but there's still a battle going on, and it's a battle going on in your mind and mine. The battle, the thoughts that come, are uh, thoughts that discourage us, thoughts that cause us to doubt, thoughts that tell us we're not qualified, thoughts that tell us that it's not going to work and, and this is not going to satisfy and, and it's, it's thoughts of temptation. And so all of these thoughts are coming and then you've got a responsibility because I can't think for you. You have to take the word of God yourself and you have to think about, goodness, wh where is this coming from? Is this from my good heavenly father or is this from the enemy of my soul? Does this align with the word of God or is this something made up? Because I am fighting. I'm in, I'm in battle, guys, myself every day, walking through life, facing challenges, having discussions, and it seems like flesh and blood, but there's a spiritual element going on. And I even have to take captive every thought, or I would not even stand here this morning. It's a serious business. You lead yourself, you lead your family, you lead ministries. 
You have got to have victory and you've got to have success and that will come in how you manage your thought life. Where'd the thought come from? What's the narrative like? And change the narrative. Hit play on what is a positive narrative. Hit listen to a podcast that's positive and uplifting and spirit uh, edifying. Listen to that. Change the narrative. I have a table set here today because I, I want you to be able to picture, like many of us sometimes we're visual learners, right? And so in Psalm 23, I've been sitting in Psalms and we don't get very far every week, guys. I'm only focusing on one verse today. So if you want to you keep with me, we'll be here next week. We're going to keep working on it. But in Psalm 23, there's a great example. Psalm 23 in verse 5. Actually, let's just read all of Psalms. It's only, the Psalm 23 is only six verses. Read this with me. In Spanish or English. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. Here's what he does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. That's where we'll be today. He guides me along the right paths or paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're right. Your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 5, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Not any person here today would prefer that the enemies be in the presence of the table. All of us would say, blast the enemies, God. Get rid of them. I don't want to deal with it. But verse 5, he's prepared the table, but it's in the presence of my enemies. But at this table, I have everything I need. Everything I need. He sustains me. He is my shepherd. I've got chocolate chip cookies up here. Don't touch them. I've got quesadillas up here. Thank you for the gift. This is Leva, by the way, if you want to look that up. But beautiful gift. I mean, I've got everything I need right here. And sometimes you don't understand, though, unless I actually take a bite. I don't have Krispy Kreme today, but I do have food. I do have provision. My table is supplied. Every need that I have, he has provided. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. It is. It, we better start there or we'll never be content. Never. This psalm... It's written, David, David's trying to process, well, how can I best illustrate, <clears throat> illustrate God? And he's, he's a, he was a shepherd boy, son of a shepherd. And so he's thinking, well, that, that's how it is. The Lord, he is my shepherd. And so for an illustration, he's writing out for us here what it's like for the Lord 
his God to be shepherd over his life and to do the things that, that need to be done for sheep. In this passage, you and I, guys, are the sheep. That's our role in the story. We are sheep. And some of us need a shepherd. Some of us aren't submitted to let the shepherd lead. Here's the way it is with sheep. You see, they don't see very good. They're clumsy. They fall over easy. They're prone to have flies and pests and stuff get up in their nose and in, in their wool and things. They're, they're not stable. They tend to drift and tend to go astray, anybody. Sheep, that's what we are. Do we have that video? Let me show you a video, guys. This is what sheep do. Anybody? <laughs> Sheep, guys, unstable, shaky, uh, unbalanced, tend to go astray, tend to repeat the same thing. And so a shepherd, David's thinking a shepherd that he can follow, that he wants to follow the lead of the shepherd because there are so many voices. Like when you're at a table and you're at the table and your enemies are present at the table. They love to speak into what's going on in your life. And so for all of us, if you're a, a little bit mature in this walk with Christ, you're, you want to hear the voice of the shepherd. It's very possible. But I've got so many other voices coming at me as well. Voices that would distract, discourage, undermine, bring other ideas and so we're navigating all of life, our spiritual life, our, our purpose, our destiny, our victory, hopefully in this life, we're navigating it in the presence of our enemies. David says this, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. David's writing from a perspective, it, it's a dry place, and, and we're the sheep would be and so the shepherd would have to have gone ahead of the sheep to prepare a place for it to be green that would be the perspective that David's writing from and so he's trusting him and that he makes him lie down that's sheep don't lie down easy unless everything is right here's here, here's the way with sheep here's the way with sheep and <clears throat> they are um they don't lie down unless they're free from four things they got to be free from fear they can't rest they can't lie down again you and I are sheep got to be free of fear free from friction with others if there's friction going on in the camp among the sheep then they cannot lie down they will not rest they have to be uh, free from parasites flies and things like that they can't have something aggravating them they have to be free from hunger they got to be convinced that the, the shepherd is going to provide and they're not going to be hungry. And so a good shepherd 
is looking out for the sheep. And that's what David is saying here, that he makes me, he makes me. Do you get that? That's underlined in my Bible. He makes me. Because I've already decided that he's in charge and I'm not. And so he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He makes me, he leads me. And now verse 3, he restores my soul. In the Hebrew, that is, brings me to repentance. Restores my soul. Our soul. Likely someone here today, at least one if not many, that you are troubled in your soul. There is no peace there. You need exactly the shepherd to restore your soul today, to bring you to a place of repentance, to breathe life into that life of yours. Breathing, we sang about, but not alive. What it is to have your soul restored. And see, we are all about everything. We're, I mean, let's meditate about it. Let's, let's uh, do a special uh, meditation thing. Let's, let's slow down. Let's, let's do some self-care. And I'm trying to tell you, He is the one that restores my soul and does it so well. You have got to be to the point where if He is in charge, and I pray that He is, that he is the one who's making you lie down. He is the one leading you to quiet waters. And he is the one restoring your soul. If you're here today and there's not peace in your soul, there could be peace in your soul before you would leave here today. Because he is the good shepherd. And he does seek to lead you. And he does speak, to see, speak into your life he guides me in paths of righteousness. He guides me in paths of righteousness. I want to focus this morning on where he guides us and the why behind it and the voices that get us there. Where he guides us. This, this idea of he, he guides me in paths of righteousness, meaning... Um, if I'm going to become any kind of righteousness of God, it will be because He is leading me in a path like that. He is leading me in a way that leads me to, first of all, know God through Jesus Christ, relationship with Him, and then a pathway of uh, where we are becoming more like Christ, a process of maturity and sanctification, setting aside old ways, following after him, becoming a disciple maker, those type of things. He's leading us in paths of righteousness, if he's leading us. Because there are a number of ideas today about how, that he, uh, how we want to be led or not led. There's many voices, many voices at your table would tell you, oh, Christ is not the only way. That you could be a good person. Some people think, well, I can, you know, I, I, my parents were pretty good, and, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person too, and you think, well, I, I could serve enough, I could serve enough and be good enough and serve, out-serve anybody in this room, and, I, and there would be heaven for me because I'm a good person. Others think, well, I could, 
I could, um, you know, I could earn it. I could give enough. I could be generous enough. I could give like that, and, and that would make me good enough. And, and surely there's heaven for all good people. That's what, that's what many voices at the table would tell you today. But Scripture tells us something else. And I'm going to share with you Scripture today. Because there's no other way. Christ is the only path to salvation of righteousness. There is no working our way. There is no bettering ourselves. There is no buying our way. There's no associating with enough good people. But Christ is the only way. Romans 3, 23 tells me that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. All of us. All of us. We, I, I, I hear testimonies of the youngest people that we baptize and, and they're in tears. They realize that they too have sinned. They didn't tell the truth. They didn't obey. They didn't they didn't do. They know that there's good and there's evil, and, it, and it's a very simple thing, but they know that they too have sinned, and that, that, that awareness comes, and it comes very young, often, and I know sometimes as parents, we're trying to walk them through that. Are you sure you're understanding this? And I remember understanding that when I was very young, and so I, I understand that, and I try to encourage some parents, God, just listen a little bit, pray with them a little bit, guide them a little bit. But let's see if they don't come to salvation at a very young, tender age. It's beautiful when that happens. We all have sinned, though. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul goes on in Romans, in verse 24, he says, Though that we all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. There's grace, there's mercy for you and for me. You know, we all have sinned, but there is a pathway. There is a solution. Amy shared with you last week about, uh, from Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul writing again, talking about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you, Paul says. That, that aligns for me with Psalm 23. There's a pathway that leads to righteousness. But if we're not letting him lead, then we won't be following a pathway of righteousness. We may get off a bit. We may get off a lot and, and start to believe, oh, there's multiple ways. You know, God, God will have mercy in all good people. But, you know, I, I'm thankful that he has mercy on the sinner and the tax collector because I would fall more in that category. Not because of who I am, not because of anything I've accomplished, but because I fall upon the mercy of God to say, God, I need you, and I need you to lead. I need you to be in charge, because I don't do a good job of that. Still not convinced? Let me, let me refer to Isaiah 64 and verse 6. I think we have that one. See, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts, all those things that we try to do to make ourselves righteous are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. The idea that we could somehow be righteous within ourselves and it's like a filthy rag. Can you give me the commentary? Filthy rags, a cloth made up of patches or such as come from a putrid sore 
or defiled with the menstruous blood of a woman. That, 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 that's the filthy rag they're talking about. I brought a rag because some of us still need a visual. It's actually clean, but I just want you to have the visual. This is, this is, this is, this is a filthy rag. Our righteousness, what we think sometimes about what we can produce and what we can do to make us right before God. And, and, and the path of righteousness described in Psalm 23, is that is not it. That is not anything that we're able to accomplish on our own, but it is a filthy rag. The path of righteousness that is available through Christ you see, because the path that leads to God, the, God the, the pathway that would lead us into decision making, you see, it has to align with one who is perfect and one who is holy. And we all have sinned. We all have fallen short in our own doing. And so that's not going to work. We need, we need a, uh, in, in theological terms, pro, propitiation, atonement, a substitute a sacrifice, someone to die in our place, and it has to be perfect. And see, Christ is that sacrifice on our behalf. His blood, the perfect uh, Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. That is how we'll pursue a path of righteousness, not of anything we do on our own. Acts 2.38 tells us, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Stormy O'Martian put it this way, an author and teacher, you are either becoming more like Christ every day or you're becoming less like Him. There is no neutral position in the Lord. There is no neutral. There is no cruise control. There is no I have arrived there is always more to learn, always more to submit. I was thinking this week of moments, and I shared with you one a couple weeks ago, those, those times where we die to ourselves, because the invitation from Jesus is that daily we would take up our cross, we die to ourselves and, and following after him, meaning that we're not going to do things our way. It's not... God, here's my way and here's my dreams and you bless it. No, it's, it's submitting everything before him, taking up my cross daily and following after him. That, that's the opportunity. That is the invitation. And with that, I remember, I remember the place. I remember exactly where I was, where I first died to myself. But then there were more times as God led me again to an altar of prayer to say, God, here I am again, and I've got to submit something else. I've got to pray again. I've got to have your help in my life. And I shared with you a photo taken on this porch a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Of God again leading me to a place of surrender that I didn't even know that be prior to that week that I needed to. But God leads us that way because he still speaks. And he doesn't just speak to me, but he's speaking to you. He speaks, guys. It's not a strange and mystical thing. He speaks to you by the word of God. He may be speaking to you this morning something totally different than what I'm even sharing. Because he's a great big God. 
He's a very creative communicator. And you may glean something from what I'm sharing, but it may be beyond that. And it may be some experience you're having this week. Some of you live here. Some of you are visiting here this week. But I'm trusting, if you're looking a little bit, that all of us are perhaps seeing Jesus every day. A glimpse, a challenge, something else that God is speaking. He does it through people. Sometimes it's a messenger like me, and then other times it's a friend or a mentor or a family member or a stranger or an angel unaware, but somehow God's speaking into your life. I described for you a couple weeks ago a still small voice for me. I wish I had more of those. But the one was so impactful that I'll never forget it as long as I'm breathing. I want that continually. But God recorrects when I'm off. And he does it through his word and he does it through people. He does it through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm praying daily, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, let me hear from you. Let me follow after you. That is what is available to every believer today. The only reason you should not be experiencing that if you are not walking with God today. If you, if what I'm sharing with you, you have never surrendered your life to Christ, you have never asked him to lead and be your shepherd, you have never asked him to forgive you of your sins, then what I'm sharing would be foreign to you. But if you're a believer, this better be a reminder of what should be happening. You're, you're taking captive thoughts. You're doing battle daily. You're in the word. You're a person of prayer. You're seeking after his voice. You're seeking for the Holy Spirit to fill and to lead. That's what should be going on. And, we sh and because of that, we should be growing. And that's what he's talking about. There is no neutral. There is no, I have arrived. We all have some work to do. That's, that's, that's the, the, as I started, shared a moment ago, that's where we're going, this path of righteousness. But why? Well, Psalm 23, verse 3, for his name's sake. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. Not my name's sake. Not my kingdom. Not your kingdom. Not your name. Not your brand. The brand is Jesus. And that's what matters. And that is what is to be exalted. Isaiah 26, 8. We have that for you. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws. We wait for you. It is your name and renown are the desires of our heart. See, he knows our heart anyway. But it's his name. It's his renown. You see, he is the famous one that we're trying to make known. It is not for me. John the Baptist got that. He said, it's, you know, it's better that I decrease so that Jesus, so that he increases. See, if we're following after him and we're following in paths of righteousness, that's what we're going to find. And yet that's a battle with the flesh because your flesh screams out, you want to be known. You want to be exalted a little bit. You want to be patted on the back a little bit. You want people telling you how, how, what a nice guy you are and what a pleasant lady you are and what a great teacher you are. We want to hear those kind of things and build a following and see nothing but blessing upon our ministry and upon our work and all those things. And it's, 
what I'm trying to point to you and say based on Psalm 23 is it is not about you and I. It is about him. See, that is the kingdom. This is the kingdom where we exalt the king. Not you and not me. Not little G gods and not little K kings, but the king who's coming again soon. And that brings an urgency to me to speak the absolute truth based upon his word. Not my opinion and not anything political, but what the scriptures tell me. And that it is urgent because he's calling us to a pathway of righteousness that restores our soul. And that is an urgent battle that is within every family and individual that's here today. And so my role is to tell you the absolute truth today. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Oh, there's a lot of voices today, a lot of voices at the table, a lot of, a lot of decisions to be made, and it's difficult. We don't want to offend anyone, we don't want to make anybody angry, but as the Spirit would come and as the Spirit would lead and confirm the, the Word of God in wise counsel, it's going to be contrary to what culture of this broken world tells me. And it calls, it calls me to a place of a necessity and an urgency to speak truth, to walk in obedience to walk in obedience. A.W. Tozer said this. We have that? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. That's Spurgeon, but that'll work. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Leave that up for a moment, please. Discernment. If you're not praying for discernment, you should be. Because we have to discern the times. We have to discern the days. We have to test the spirits even of what is said and what is shared among us. Discernment. And some things, it's those gray areas between, it, it's easy sometimes between black and white. Oh, that's obviously good and that's obviously evil. But when it's right and it's almost right. And we let those squeeze in a little bit. We let that slide in a little bit. And we compromise just a bit. And Spurgeon, back in the day, uh, uh, whatever was going on that inspired that word, very applicable today. And so it's up for, for us believers to discern between that which is right and that which is almost right. And so we have a test of obedience. And A.W. Tozer said this, that the final test of love is obedience. Jesus said that too, if you love me, obey my commands. But Tozer said, see, it's not sweet emotions. It's not willingness to sacrifice. It's not zeal, but obedience to the commandments of Christ. The Lord drew a, a line plain and tight for everyone to see. That's Tozer. Proverbs 14, 12. I think we have an image on that. You see, we get to thinking a little bit, and Proverbs nails it, Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way which seems right to man, but the end thereof is the way of death. There's one way, right? 
It's got a little bag of money there. I thought and they changed it from a dollar sign to a Q. They want, they want to make sure you understand. Because there are, it's exactly right. There are ways that seem right to man. There are ways that you process. You think, oh, that sounds pretty good. That sounds right enough. That sounds okay. And a lot of times that's justified through finances. I've been sharing repeatedly the rich young ruler. Jesus told him, come follow me. But go and sell everything you have. And scripture says that he went away sad. I don't want anyone here today going away sad. If your role in the kingdom is to go and make money, then do that. But ask the Lord, well, how would you have me to be generous with that? Because I guarantee it's not to build your brand and build your pockets. If God's blessing you, it's so you can be abundantly a blessing to others in the kingdom. But there's same things that seem right to man. Let me just build my way a little bit. Let me pursue money a little bit. And it's always the love of money that's the root of all evil. And Paul says that, many, uh, that we're pierced with many griefs, meaning there's many regrets because you worked three jobs. There's many regrets because you sacrificed your family and were never home and your marriage has suffered, and your parenting has suffered, and things like that, and you're pierced with many griefs. Because there's ways that seem right to you, and you ignored the wise counsel of God, and you've gone your own way. And if that has happened, I pray today would be a wake-up call. That God would lead you in pathways of righteousness. For His name's sake not yours, not what you want to do, not your way, not the way that seems right to you, but that you might submit all that before the Lord and say, God, what would you have me to do with everything that is before me? Because otherwise, guys, it's always about the money. If it's more money, you always say yes. It doesn't matter if my good friend, he was right here, probably would be here this morning. He's not here, but he's in Weiwei Tanango because he took the money. Message me this week. He misses this place. Misses the fellowship with others. Misses, miss, misses what God can do. But it's an automatic, it's a default that to always say yes to the money. Do you hear me? Church, we have to wake up. You have to think for a moment. You know, it could be that God's asking you to, and speaking into your life, let's take a little lesser thing here so you have more time for your family, more time for ministry, more time to exalt my name, not so you sacrifice your life and your family, which is your most important ministry, on the altar of life and business and ministry, or sports even. There are a way which seems right to man, but in, in the end, it's a pathway to death. It's following the money. It's defaulting to the money. It is, it is I've got to get you back. I've got to get the church back. I've got, as we sit at this table, and as we listen for the voice of the shepherd, and we collectively hear all these different voices, you see the voices that come at you are different than the ones that come at me, but they're all designed to do the same thing, to get you off track of your purpose, and off track of your destiny, and off track so that your life at the end of the day is a disaster. 
and that your family is a disaster. That, that's what it means to, to uh, have an enemy, John 10.10, 10, who, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not just a cliche line, guys. That is a, a, an enemy, a devil, who's after your life and after your family and your ministry and your business. Jesus answered in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. No one else. There's not multiple ways, guys. There's one way, and his name is Jesus. And it has not changed. I want to give you a practical tool. Give me the voices, if you would. I want you to be able to, be able to tell between the voices. There's a, there's a God voice, and there's what the God voice does. It stills you. Leads you beside green pastures, green pastures, and beside still waters. Reassures you, encourages you, comforts you, calms you, convicts you. If those things are going on, even even being convicted, it may it may uh, cause you to to reevaluate your life, reevaluate what's going on. I need my musicians, if you would come up, please. All musicians, come and start playing. The whole equipo. All right. Here's Satan's voice, though, guys. It, re- it rushes you, pushes you, frightens you, confuses you, discourages you, worries you, obsesses you, condemns you. Voices. Which voice are you hearing? Which voice is speaking into your life right now. Love for you to be able to train your mind to hear what God is whispering and not what the enemy is shouting. That you may hear what the good shepherd is speaking. And that you might come to the point and you might realize today, well, you know, the Lord has tried to lead me and I've not led him. And you recognize today that you need to, you're, you need to obey and you need to let the good shepherd lead you. That he needs to be in charge. Maybe he was at one time and he's not today. And you need to submit to him again. Others of you here, you hear all this and you, you maybe wonder, wow, I think God's speaking to me that I need to follow him, that I need to surrender my life to him. And that's a miracle. That's the greatest miracle in my life that I've experienced is the miracle of salvation. Uh, To experience the point and begin the journey to be able to fall on my knees and, and just to pray and say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Or all of sin that falls short of the glory of God. But I, God, I want to follow your pathways of righteousness. I want you to restore my soul. That could be you today and they're going to sing in a moment and anytime while they're singing and anytime after you come and pray we're going to have people that will join me they're part of my prayer team they prayed before you got here today they prayed for the very seat that you're sitting in and they'll pray with you today in Spanish or English there's a lot of miracles I thought of this week my own self my own life I God, the creative communicator. He, he speaks into our lives, and I 
I, I recalled moments where, you know, I have time and I have opportunity. And God was speaking to my life. And yet, I'm, I'm recklessly driving down the road with other people, my life in the hands of others. And they decide that we're going to pass this vehicle and challenge a semi-truck. And we came within half second, one second at the most, of being able to not be the hood ornament on that truck. I'm, I'm, I'm 15 years old. I thought that was going to be the end for me that day, and I'd already, I was already aware enough that there was only one way, and it was Jesus. And I had rejected the opportunities to follow after Him. Another time, shortly thereafter, I was in the wrong place, and ended up in a bad situation where there was a gun pointed at myself and my friend and a, a guy threatening that he was going to kill us both. And then suddenly a miracle. Someone interrupts and someone distracted him enough that we were both able to escape and avoid a bad situation. Miracles. Miracles that allow me to be here today. Not even that long ago, maybe four years ago now, I was down the coast of Guatemala, down in the Pacific. The waves were gentle that day, but suddenly the, the waves changed and they were suddenly 10 feet tall and they pulled me out and, and, and I, something hit me and I lost my breath and I, I thought to myself, I think I'm about 10 seconds here of taking my last breath. I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drown here in this ocean. And I just I prayed quickly, Lord, help me. And a miracle, a wave comes and just pushes me in. And I collapsed on the shore and I laid there for at least half an hour or an hour just trying to find my breath, trying to, and just being thankful that once again God had done a miracle in my life. There's a lot of miracles, and they're going to sing about miracles right now. And see, some of you, you need to just give some thanks today because you know what I'm talking about. There's been countless miracles in your life. God, is, God has been your salvation. God has led you on a path of righteousness and for His name's sake. Others of you, for the very first time, or you need to come home, whatever it is, there's no better place and no better time to take advantage of the time and the opportunity that God has given you today to come and surrender yourself to give of your life, to fall on your knees and say, God, help me today. I've come prepared to pray, pray for you today. I've told these guys, I think people are going to come and pray today. God, I woke me up last night. And I could just see many people coming, moved by the Spirit of God, that He was pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. To, that we would see a move of God. And I told these musicians earlier today, I said, guys, be ready to play today beyond one song because I think people are coming to pray. I think people are coming to surrender their life again to seek the face of God. So we're ready for you if you're ready for Him. Father, today as we bow our heads across this room, I pray that you're your Holy Spirit would come and move upon the hearts of men and women and young and old, boys and girls that are in this place today. 
I don't think there's any one of us that would deny that we need a fresh move of God among us. A move of the Holy Spirit that would draw us into fresh relationship with you to see you for who you are. See your word and your direction for what it is. To allow us to to discern between what is right and almost right. And, And God, as you do that today, I believe you'll move upon hearts that need to surrender their life for the very first time. That today needs to be the day of salvation for someone in this room or online today. Others that have They've ran away. They've been doing their own thing. They've tried everything else in the world and it has not worked. But maybe today, maybe today would be the day of salvation. If you need a miracle today, we're here to pray for you and whatever that miracle might be. La Iglesia Axis, boy, que escucha. Que escucha ustedes. La palabra de Dios, Espíritu Santo, es en este caso hoy. Usile hoy su día de salvación. Venga, Espíritu Santo. En el nombre de Jesús.